0: What's up and welcome to Clarity for Parents of Athletes, bringing you stories from professional athletes about their parents and how they were raised. My name is Gabe Nosere from aclearmind.com. Right and welcome to episode number 40. Now, as always, I'd like to start by thanking you for listening to the podcast, whether this is your first episode that you're tuning into, or if you've listened to some of the other ones in the past. I really appreciate you being here and hope you have enjoyed the interviews that I've done and the episodes with myself and with other non-professional athletes, like I brought on last week, one with uh, Dr. Gina Riley, who's a professor of psychology and an expert in intrinsic motivation. That was the last episode, episode number 39. And if you didn't listen to that one, I really urge you to go go back to that. And that one was full of amazing information to help your child become more intrinsically motivated. And it's steps that any parent can do with enough motivation. So go back and listen to that one. And if you like that one or any of the episodes or the podcast in general, I really ask that you please go to your favorite platform and rate the podcast as well as review it and to subscribe it so you don't miss any of the episodes and also to share it with other parents so that more people can listen to these stories of wisdom which is all of course designed to benefit children who are playing sports and even children who are not playing sports as well can really benefit them as well so a little bit more about me in case you don't know. I'm a transformative life coach. I work with professional athletes, non professional athletes, non athletes as well, weekend warriors. I work with, uh, I'm open to working with all kinds of different individuals. And I do that over the phone, typically with individual sessions or through the internet. However, we do, if there's somebody on the other side of the world, we do through the internet. We do coaching calls that usually go. Once a week or once every other week, depending on the program that they sign up for. And I also do small group work as well. So if you have a group of people, a group of parents that want to work with me, I do small group sessions over the phone or the internet as well. And I also do group workshops, which I typically do those in front of groups. So as soon as we are past this physical distancing period of life and we can travel a little bit more freely and don't have to quarantine for 14 days on both ends of the trip, then I'm really excited to get the workshops going again because they're really, really beneficial. I work with teams and parents as well and just groups of people in general. So if you ever want to get a hold of me, you can reach out to me on my website, aclearmind.com. That's aclearmind.com. Or you can just email me directly, gabe@aclearmind.com. I'm also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram as well. And you can get a list of my social media links on my website, aclearmind.com. Dot .com. All right, upcoming episodes have a couple really cool ones. One with a professional soccer player, Mohammed Dauda, who is a pro player in Denmark right now. He's on loan from a pretty big club in Belgium called Anderlecht, and he is also from Ghana as well. So it's a really unique episode interviewing somebody from the other side of the world and I also interviewed a former Olympic gold medal skier. You may recognize her name, Julia Mancuso. So she's won four medals, including one gold, two silvers, and one bronze, and was kind of neck and neck with Lindsey Vonn a few years ago in the downhill races at the Olympics and the championships in the world. So really cool person, really down to earth, fun, and look forward to putting that one out there pretty soon, but for now this episode is with me and I've been wanting to talk about this for a while and also felt the need to tie it into what's going on in the world with not just coronavirus, but with the protest and the Black Lives Matter movement and which you know really started intensifying after the unfortunate death of George Floyd and felt the need to kind of get my thoughts together for the last couple of weeks and really try and tie it in with the work and something else I've been wanting to talk about, which is consciousness. Now, consciousness is a big part of the work that I do with all my clients, and if you listen to the first episode, which, talks, which I talk about the work that I do, I follow the work of a man named Sid Banks, who had this basically an insight called The Three Principles, which is how he perceived that people were viewing the world and experiencing the world. And the three principles are thought, consciousness, and mind. And just a real quick recap of what I talked about in the first episode. Thought is how we experience life in the moment. And our thoughts can change over time depending on our level of consciousness. And our thoughts can change even in the moment depending on our level of consciousness. And I'll get to consciousness a little bit more in depth later, but just for now... Consciousness is awareness, but is also the level of frequency that you are experiencing your energy. So, I was like, I said, I'll get into that a little bit more. But essentially, there are lower levels of frequency, lower levels of energy, such as shame, fear, doubt, and there are higher levels of energy on this scale that was created, which I'll, again, I'll get into here in a little bit. But things like love, unconditional love, joy, those are all higher levels of frequency and higher levels of energy. So if we experience higher levels of energy more often, then that triggers different types of thinking, right? We either have contaminated thinking, kind of negative thinking more often when we're at lower levels of energy, and we have higher levels of thought When we are at higher levels of energy. And when we're at higher levels of thought, we're essentially tuned into the third principle, which is called mind. And that is essentially your natural born ability to even create thought. So these are moments of inspiration that you have for athletes. It is being in the zone. When you're not thinking about anything, things are just flowing to you. It's also known as flow state as well, or receiving downloads. You're just getting this information essentially, without having to think about anything. Things are just coming to you. So, like I said, wanted to get a little bit more in-depth into consciousness. Now, the work that I do, I use the work of a man named Dr. David Hawkins, who is a medical doctor, but he was also an applied kinesiologist. So, not the typical kinesiologist that focuses on body movement, but he focused on muscle testing a lot, which relates to the body. But if anybody hasn't has done muscle testing before or hasn't done it, I should say essentially the idea is that our bodies can tell us the right or wrong answers for ourselves and for the universe as well. So the kinesiologist will ask the patient to stick out his or her arm. And then the kinesiologist will push down on the wrist. And if the arm And the kinesiologist will ask a question. And if the arm goes weak, the answer is no. And if it stays strong, the answer is yes. And they can kind of get into all kinds of things, how the body needs to heal itself, what kind of supplements the body needs, what kind of protocol the body needs, that the body's internal wisdom, which essentially is this mind state, will tell the answers to the kinesiologist and to the person who the patient as well. So it's really interesting work but through this method which he did a double blind double study as well to make sure that you know he was getting the right answers from this so Dr. David Hawkins created this chart and for those of you watching on YouTube you can I'll put the chart up right now and for those of you who are listening I will have this chart on a link on my website again if you go to a clearmind.com you can follow with this or if you just have an amazing imagination and I'm, <laughs> I'm giving a good description to what I'm talking about, then you can just imagine this pretty clearly as well. So this levels of consciousness is essentially a chart. You can pretend it's starting at the bottom. or the lower levels of frequency that I talked about, the lower levels of energy that we're experiencing in life, and then the chart goes up. And he actually quantified this with numbers as well, so give or take these numbers. And and I'm going to read some sections from his book, Transcending the Levels of Consciousness, just to describe some of these things that he speaks about with these different levels. So Dr. David Hawkins said the lowest level of energy that we experience is shame. And he gave it a 20 point, I guess, ranking or whatever you want to call it. So 20 points on the bottom is shame. And I'm not going to go through all these in depth, but there's some of these I do want to spend a little bit more time on. Now, shame focuses a lot on the past of our lives and people who experience a lot of shame, right? It creates this basis for the fear of disapproval, rejection, or failure. And it leads to low self-esteem, development of physical illnesses. These people can be shy, withdrawn, introverted, self-depreciating. They essentially relate their self-identity with the feelings that they get. They're not good enough at things, right? So if you think about it, there are a lot of times that parents, and I'm not saying you are one, but a lot of parents can discipline and try and reprimand their children unconsciously, or sometimes consciously, to get their child to feel shame so that they will change their behavior. I mean, this there's a term, you should be ashamed of yourself. That you may have heard, I don't even know if I've heard, maybe I did in my life, but I've definitely heard other people say it, whether it's in front of me or even on TV, you should be ashamed of yourself because we want the child to learn. But this is the lowest level of frequency according to Dr. David Hawkins. And I wanted to read a little bit out of this book. So he says about shame, some shamed based individuals compensate by perfectionism and rigidity, becoming driven and intolerant. Notorious examples of this are the moral extremists who form vigilante groups, projecting their own unconscious shame onto others whom they then feel justified in righteously attacking. Serial killers have often acted out of shame, hate, and sexual moralism with the justification of punishing, quote-unquote, bad women. Because it pulls down the whole level of personality, shame results in a vulnerability to the other negative emotions, therefore often producing false pride, anger, and guilt. Now, that's on the extreme level, of course, but you can see with these police officers that are attacking the... African Americans in our country, and this is happening in African, people of African descent in other countries as well. I've seen videos in France and Spain that these people feel these sense of power, but I can imagine they experience life with a big sense of shame and try and get this power over other people with this unconscious feeling. Now, I'm not excusing their behavior, I'm just trying to make sense of it. And possibly what they are experiencing and how they experience life. Because if you're operating at a high level of energy, you are not cruel to people. You're not cruel to animals. You are a loving human being, obviously. But the more these people felt shame throughout their lives and probably saw role models in their parents who experienced shame throughout their lives and, and keep going back generation to generation to generation, it's no surprise why they can act this way. And I think that's what a lot of people are experiencing when they look at this, is how can this be happening over and over and over again? This is a a pass down of a collective unconscious from generation to generation to generation, the systemic hatred, the systemic racism that people are putting down. So I think for me, there's a better way to reprimand children to teach them, I should say, into a place that doesn't involve making them feel shame. Now, it it sometimes comes out automatically. We all have automatic reactions when our children do something. I still have them, as well. So, you know, if you've experienced this in your own parenting, try not to feel shame within yourself. And like Dr. Gina Riley said in the last episode, we're always moving forward, and the most important thing is to take responsibility. For your actions, and to apologize. I think apologies can go really, really far with our children and say, look, I'm, I'm sorry that I reacted that way. That's not the way I want to be. This is why I reacted this way. And you can put in your own reasoning if you really look deep inside yourself. And children will understand. They may be hurt. They may need time to listen to this, this apology, but they will understand if you're coming from a pure place of heart. So, again, in everything that I say in all these episodes of <laughs> just me? just you me, know, do your best not to take it personally. Remember, we're always moving forward, and that's all you can do as a parent. So, after shame, there is guilt, which, of course, a lot of people can experience guilt over decisions, and I'm not going to spend too much time over that, and I wanted to just climb up the chart slowly and the next level is apathy at 50 points, and then grief, which, of course, a lot of people are experiencing grief right now. There is loss of life, and especially in this situation with what happened with George Floyd and just what has happened over hundreds of years with the enslavement of Africans bringing over to the United States, and the genocide of the Native Americans in this country. And all over the world, this has happened. And there has been a collective, uh, unconscious grieving that has been passed down from generation to generation. So there have been a lot of cultures that have gone through deep, deep grief throughout their lives. And this is, like I said, passed down unconsciously a lot of times. And whenever people go through some kind of trauma, especially African-Americans right now, they keep experiencing grief, but they also experience other emotions as well that are either up above this level of grief or below it. And so the next level higher than grief is fear. And so fear can be fear of enemies, old age, health, death, projection, other social fears, and it's a basic motivator in the lives of a lot of people in the world. And it's all future-based, right? We're only ever afraid of something that's going to happen in the future or something that's happening right now, but it's most prominent in the future. So I'm going to read again from Dr. David Hawkins' book. Again, it's called Transcending the Levels of Consciousness. From the viewpoint of this level, the world appears hazardous, filled with traps and threats. Fear is the favored official tool for controlled by oppressive totalitarian agencies. The proliferation of fears is as limitless as the human imagination. Once one focuses on fear, the endless fearful events of the world feed it. Fear becomes obsessive. And it may take any form. Example, fear of the loss of a relationship leads to jealousy and a chronologically high stress level. Fearful thinking can balloon into paranoia or generate neurotic defensive structures. And because it is contagious, it can become a dominant social trend. Fear limits growth of the personality and leads to inhibition. Because it takes energy to rise above fear, the oppressed are unable to reach a higher level without assistance. Thus, the fearful seek strong leaders who appear to have conquered their fear to lead them out of its slavery. Now, this is pretty profound. There's definitely been a lot of fear going on in this year, the 2020. We go back to March when we all started going on lockdown. And then there was fear of this virus. We're being fed all this information, which was really overwhelming. I'm sure you may have experienced it. I know I experienced it for for. A few weeks and there was fear of health death of ourselves death of our loved ones the health of our loved ones and then there's also economic health there were a lot of people experiencing fear of the government and you know we I, my wife uh, Angie came on and we spoke about this a couple episodes ago you know that everyone is having their own experience. And a lot of people were experiencing fear from different ways. Now, of course, there is fear and there has been fear with African-Americans. And I'm, I'm a person of color, but I do not experience the same amount of discrimination. I haven't experienced very much discrimination in my life, so I can't speak As an African-American, even though I am (laughs) of African descent uh, from Egypt, uh, but I don't experience life the same way as, well, anybody. Nobody experiences life the same way, but we can experience it in similar ways. So I can't experience, or I haven't experienced life similarly to an African-American, but I can empathize and I can understand and I hear that they do experience with fear. And it's something that was really profound and pointed out to me a couple years ago by one of my coworkers who was going through graduate school. Is She was taking a class, some kind of intercultural class in graduate school. And the teacher asked one of the, the white students, you know, what does the talk mean to you? And the person said, oh, well, it's, you know, your parents talk to you about sex. That is known as the talk. And then this professor pointed to one of the African-American students and asked that person what, and he was a male, African-American male, I remember now remembering this story, but asked, what was the talk for you? And he said, my parents said, When you are stopped by the police, this is what you do. Now, that was amazingly impactful for me, and I really could feel the pain and the fear within myself. It's like, what a parent of an African-American male, and even female as well, because they're not immune to this, but what they would go through emotionally if they were stopped by police, and what if their child walked out the door to go to school or go hang out with friends and they were stopped by the police, the fear that the parents must live with as well. It can be paralyzing. So some food for thought for those of you who don't have that experience, what it's like to be an African-American in this country. Now there is good news for people who want to know how to move past the level of fear and how to experience life with less fear. So here's again is from the book research literature indicates that religious slash spiritual alignment with faith is capable of reducing overall levels of fear. The spiritual energy shifts brain dominance to a more benign system processing by which stress hormones are replaced by endorphins and levels of serotonin and other neurotransmitters. Now meditation is something that I focus on within myself, and I also try and motivate or push uh, intrinsically, of course, uh, try and, and let my clients know the, the power of meditation as well. And I, something I urge for as many people as possible, not just meditation, but of course prayer and deep prayer, and not prayer where we're just reciting words, but really feeling into the power of prayer as if our prayers are answered that can really stimulate somebody to get out of fear. So don't have to be religious. You don't even have to be spiritual, I don't think, but just to sit in some kind of presence and to focus on your breath, because everyone does have breath or else you wouldn't be alive, obviously. But to sit and focus on your breath and just, that is essentially just plugging in to the universe and you're charging your batteries that way. And as studies have shown, it can help release levels of serotonin. And that's your good feeling neurotransmitter. It makes us feel good. So as we go up this level of consciousness, after fear, we start to experience different levels that we start feeling more motivated to do things. So we're a little bit more brave to try things because when we go fear down to shame, we're not as motivated to try things because we kind of doubt ourselves or we're scared to try new things. So fear was 100 points. The next level is desire at 125 points. Now, this is what I think. Personally, I have this theory that desire and the next couple levels above it, which are anger and pride, motivate and fuel a lot of athletes. So desire, people are looking for money, prestige, power, for those who have risen above the level of fear as motivation. But this is really focused on the outside-in illusion. And I talk about this a lot. And I'll let you know a little bit what that is. But the outside-in illusion essentially is the idea that people and things from outside of us make us feel good. and But It's never long lasting. You know, accomplishing something does make us feel good, but then we find that it's not enough. We have to go accomplish something else and then keep looking for accomplishments. And same thing with money. Money is never enough. That's why there are millionaires and billionaires who keep seeking more and more and more money and it's never enough for them. And they end up feeling incomplete because they're always searching for something outside of them when inside is what truly makes us happy. And I'll talk about that, the inside-out reality. So desire really is enhanced by programming. And it's programming that we receive from society, from media, social media, and from viewing others and feeling as if we have a lack of feeling importance. So we have these desires to get these things from the outside of us and feel like that'll make us feel good and make us feel whole. But it doesn't, of course. Like I mentioned, it's never enough to receive money. There's never enough accomplishment. We're always chasing for this desire, but at least we're motivated to chase for something. So this programming starts very, very young. And I've really tuned into it. My son, as I've mentioned before, he's six years old, and he listens to a lot of stories. So I've really forgotten about a lot of these stories that I heard in the past. But these stories are full of programming, whether it's conscious or unconscious. But to me, it seems very conscious that these stories kind of have a very similar theme. So well, the other day in the car, we were listening to Stillskin, And it's just really <laughs> a disturbing story and so misogynistic that this king wanted this woman to spin hay into gold. And even one part of the story, he says, you better spin all of this hay into gold or I'll cut your head off. But if you do spin it all to gold, I will marry you. So... Right there is misogyny that especially young boys start to hear as if they're superior and they are dominant to females. And then another story of Pinocchio, who I think many of us remember Pinocchio, right? That once you lie, your your nose grows. And that's the typical part of the story that we remember. But there is something beyond that that I totally forgot about, is that Pinocchio ditched school with these boys and they went to this place. I can't remember what it was, but it was like a fantasy land. But essentially, these men came and captured these boys and took them to this place where they gave them all this pleasure, right? They're riding roller coasters and eating cotton candy and whatever they wanted. But it really, to me, I started to see this is normalizing at a very young age, abduction and even pedophilia, which was really disturbing to me because that's essentially what this story was about in that moment in the story. Of course. And then, of course, it changed over time. But still, the programming, again, unconsciously or consciously, was there. And we see that programming, consciously or unconsciously, in other forms of media, even in the news, right? If you look at the news, it is full of fear. Now, again, that is done either consciously or unconsciously. But to me, there has been a pattern of this fear going on in the media for many, many years. And then what it does, the result of it, again, either consciously or unconsciously, the result of it is that it puts people into this fear state, into a lower level of consciousness. Now, it's been really interesting for me, because I was into that level many years ago, but then I started to break free of that mold. I started to see beyond the fear that was existing in media. And now I see it for what it is, is that it's either, again, conscious or unconscious programming. I believe it to be very conscious programming that people are giving in the media. And this exists in social media as well with these images of all these people and how we're supposed to look and how we're supposed to act and how we're supposed to behave. And again, this is conscious or unconscious programming that exists between people as well. So when we can climb to a higher state of consciousness, we can start to see things for what they really are and what they do. And it is programming. We can learn to unprogram ourselves. We can learn that we can see these things. We can see coronavirus. We can see these murder hornets that all of a sudden came from in from Canada and into the state of Washington. We can see them for what they are. They are things that happen, but we can live life. With those things happening from a different level of consciousness. And that really has been a major focus and it's really starting to become a major trend and a major shift in life is the experience of life and this physical plane from another dimension of consciousness. It essentially says that coronavirus can exist, but we can either experience it from a lower level of consciousness like fear, or we can experience it from a higher level of consciousness like unattachment and acceptance and neutrality. And to know that we can still enjoy life and enjoy each other with it going around. We don't have to live in this fear if we don't have to. Now, it's, of course, very real to other people. If we have underlying conditions, if our loved ones have underlying conditions, it's more difficult to experience it from a more neutral way. But it still is a choice. And really, it becomes about... A fear of lack of health, and even a fear of death. And when we experience life with a fear of death and a fear of not having good health, we essentially are making that choice and we are experiencing life from a lower level of consciousness because we are experiencing it with fear. Now, moving up the chart, after desire is anger at 150 points. And this also is something that a lot of people are experiencing. After this experience with George Floyd and everything else that has happened over the years and the collectiveness that's happened for generations and generations and generations of African Americans, that they've experienced a lot of unjust actions and has led to many feelings, including anger. And I think the anger is really building, obviously. People are frustrated. They are fed up of not being heard. And of course they are. When we're not heard, especially when it's our own culture, then we naturally can get angry because we're not being heard and because people are literally dying at the hands of others in completely unjust ways. And anger can create social change, and it has for years. And here we're going to go back to the book and speak about anger here. Anger can lead to either constructive or destructive action. As people move out of apathy and grief to overcome fear as a way of life, they begin to want. Desire leads to frustration that in turn leads to anger. Thus, anger can be a fulcrum by which the oppressed are eventually catapulted to freedom. Anger over social injustice, victimization, and inequality has energized great movements that have led to major changes in the structure of society. Note that it was the movements and not the anger itself that brought about constructive benefits. So you can see that anger can be used for a good positive thing as well it can move be moved to motivate more people to create change. And I think what needs to happen is not just the African Americans calling out these injustices, but Caucasians as well. Because their voices are heard more than African-Americans, unfortunately, in this society. So I think we all have duties. People who are not of African-American descent, we all have a civic duty and a consciousness duty to step up and to speak out against racism and to do whatever feels good inside of you to move forward into a higher state of consciousness and to help out all repressed cultures. Anger can be used in a positive way. And Now, after anger, so anger is 150 points. After anger is pride, 175 points. And like I said, I think a lot of athletes focus and use their motivation of desire, anger, and pride to help propel them and have had success. But there are still higher states of consciousness that people can be successful in. At least that's my belief. So pride at 175 points, people are more confident, more positive about themselves, right? They play for pride. They want to feel superior and attractive and a success. And these are all still focused with ego, but it's starting to shift to a higher state of consciousness at this level. Now, the next step after pride is the biggest jump from lower levels of consciousness to a higher level of consciousness. So, and that is courage. At 200 points, this is when people start to step into their own power and they have more self-belief and they're feeling more comfortable to explore more and they want to accomplish and they are determined in their lives. And that's what we want, of course, for our children, right? Where life is exciting and challenging and stimulating and they're not afraid to try new things and are ready to face their fears. And this, to me is the biggest step I feel we are taking right now as a global level of consciousness. We are starting to shift and move from fear and grief and anger even into more of a sense of pride and then courage. And again, courage is when we step into our own power. And that is what it's going to take for all of us to help create shifts in the consciousness of our children as well moving into a place of higher power within us. We start to see things. We start to see our experiences as coming from the inside out, not the outside in, and that we can control what we want to create in our world for ourselves, but also for our society and our culture. But it's all about stepping into a place of courage and facing any kind of fear, whether it's coronavirus or the police, or murder hornets, whatever it is. We can step to that place of power because we are infinite beings. We can do whatever we want to accomplish. And there's no doubt we're going to face something else in the future. We always do. But again, we can experience these things, these physical things that happen from a new level of consciousness. We can experience the exact same things, either from fear or we can move up to courage, or even higher than that, or positivity and understanding and love and unconditional love, which are further up the chart. It is essentially a time for us to step up to a higher level of consciousness as a species. I mean, the earth is asking for it. The animals on the earth are asking for us to step up to a higher level of consciousness, Repressed cultures are asking for help and are wanting all cultures to step up to a higher level of consciousness. Our children are asking us to step up to a higher level of consciousness. They tell us these things by how they're feeling and by quote-unquote acting out. They are simply communicating. They are not disobeying. They are communicating that they don't feel as if They are loved unconditionally, and that is essentially our job on this earth, is to love the earth, each other, the animals, ourselves unconditionally. So how do we get there? That's the million-dollar question. Well, earlier I mentioned meditation. The power of meditation really is healing for the soul and the spirit, and it's energizing. But there's also working on shedding our belief system. And our belief system and how we view the world comes from those lower levels of consciousness when we're not able to move to a higher level of consciousness. Right? It's our programming. And the only way to shed our programming is you have to become conscious of what's unconscious. And that can be a difficult thing for somebody to do individually. That's where working with a coach... Or a therapist can really come handy. And of course, I'm always here to do that for you. And there are many, many other amazing coaches out there and amazing therapists out there. But you have to be willing to take that step forward and to work through your stuff, essentially. Because it is difficult to see your unconscious because it is unconscious. You only consciously see what you consciously see, of course, because that is where you are aware But a coach and a good therapist can really raise your unconscious to a conscious level so you can see what you're not seeing and then work on shedding it in one way or another. There are a lot of different exercises that I do, and there's a lot of other things that therapists can do as well and other coaches. We all have our own unique style. Now, of course, the benefit for all this comes to your child. The best way to help your child raise his or her level of consciousness is to raise yours. And that's really all your responsibility. You're there to love them unconditionally, love yourself unconditionally, and work through your stuff because children feel the energy of their parents. Again, either consciously or unconsciously, and usually unconsciously for children. So much so that they can start manifesting some kind of injuries and ailments and even disease based on the emotional level that their parent is at. It's happened many times before. I've even seen it in my own son. And so I know it's not about him, his injuries and whatever he's experiencing. It's not about him. Usually it's about me. So I tend to look at myself and tie it in with what I'm experiencing. So again, the best way to help propel your child to a higher level of consciousness is to do your inner work as well. It'll help your relationship with them, not only what they do, how intrinsically motivated they are. It'll help you. It'll help any kind of partnership that you're in, any kind of relationship that you're in, any thing you're experiencing. The more you go to a higher state of consciousness and you're coming from less ego-focused and ego-centered and more into a place of unconditional love in everything that you, you do, and unattachment to outcome, then the higher you are vibrating. And again, I would love to help you out with that. If you so need, you can always get a hold of me at my website, aclearmind.com, or email me directly, gabe at So if you're ever interested in taking that first step forward with me, I always do a first time free call, a clarity call, to see if it makes sense for us to work together. Either if it's with you or if you have a small group of friends or colleagues or teammates that want to work through things as well i'm always here to help again gabe at a clear mind.com i hope this was helpful i hope you enjoyed it again i'm always here to help and i'm always sending much love to you and many blessings